1: Welcome to ParCast Crime Bites. We wanted to give our listeners some additional content to help them dive even deeper into the true crime world. Every week, in addition to your normal female criminals episode, we're exploring the most fascinating true crime themes covered across the ParCast network. We've collected short clips from some of our most popular ParCast originals to help us explore ideas like motivation, method, and madness, and show how interconnected the true crime world really is. You can find the original episodes for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. A list of episodes that we used will be posted in the episode description. Today, we're discussing cases of indoctrination. We'll discuss how cult leaders, secret societies, and kidnappers gain control of their victims and what makes individuals vulnerable to malicious manipulation. At its core, indoctrination is the practice of imposing an ideology onto another person, It's often achieved by breaking down a person's sense of self. Prolonged indoctrination can lead to out-of-character behavior, like engaging in violence or criminal acts. Indoctrination is most often associated with cults. Psychologist Robert S. Barron points to instances such as the Jonestown mass suicide as a prime example of indoctrination. But Barron says this kind of manipulation also extends to other situations, such as the kidnapping of Patricia Hearst. Eventually, Hearst abetted her kidnappers' crimes. In his paper, Arousal, Capacity, and Intense Indoctrination, Barron explains that psychologists are still unsure of the exact reason certain people become indoctrinated. But most theories contend that indoctrination begins with an intense period of psychological stress. Speculation about why this stress can lead to a complete upheaval of personal beliefs varies among researchers. Some think that stress can push people into hypnotic states of confusion, leaving them vulnerable to suggestion. Others believe the stress weakens ego strength and elevates dependency needs, leading a person to identify with and depend on their captor or leader. In our clips today, we'll discuss several cases of indoctrination and see how victims can be manipulated into cooperating with dangerous abusers. We'll begin with a clip from ParCast Original, Cults, about the Alamo Christian Foundation. This group was founded in 1969 by married couple Tony and Susan Alamo. From the onset, the Alamo Christian Foundation was heavily criticized for its aggressive evangelization. Tony and Susan preyed on the young and unfortunate, often recruiting teenage runaways and those with drug issues from the streets of Hollywood to attend church services. But once their new recruits were part of the church, the Alamos made it nearly impossible to leave. Susan's daughter from her second marriage, Chris, witnessed the beginnings of the Alamo Christian Foundation. She knew the cult was a scam, designed to procure corporate donations and free labor from its followers. Chris had a strained relationship with her mother and stepfather. Tony sexually assaulted Chris as a teenager, and her mother refused to believe that it happened. At age 21, Chris had a daughter of her own. She didn't want her child to be raised in the dangerous world of Susan and Tony Alamo. So, she plotted her escape. Chris knew that if she raised her daughter on the isolated saugus compound, her mother would try and manipulate and indoctrinate her daughter the same way she had with so many others.
2: This is a key component of brainwashing. Stein continued... The lack of alternate information undermines a follower's cognitive processes. The cult can now do the thinking for them.
1: But when Chris told her mother she wanted to leave the foundation in 1971, Susan refused. The Saugus compound was still in its infancy and needed as much money and new converts as possible. Susan demanded that Chris stay and help.
2: According to Chris, Susan told her, Don't be stupid. You're my daughter, but there is too much money and too much at stake here. Don't make me kill you.
1: Chris had heard her mother say a lot of twisted things. She knew deep down the foundation was only a scheme to funnel money up to Susan and Tony. But this threat was a new low.
2: She couldn't believe her mother was serious and decided it was all a bluff. Surely Susan wasn't willing to kill her own daughter, especially after Chris promised she would keep her mouth shut about the Foundation's scams. She ignored her mother's warning and called a cab to take her and her baby away.
1: But as soon as Chris hung up the phone, Tony, Susan, and several other Foundation members burst into the room. They surrounded Chris while she was still holding her baby and started beating her. They punched her while she tried to protect her daughter.
2: Chris had nowhere to run. She screamed but knew no one would come to help. Susan told her daughter they were going to beat her into a coma and tell the police she'd fallen down the stairs.
1: While the attack was occurring, the cab driver Chris had called arrived. He knocked on the door but got no answer. He looked through a window near the door and saw a woman holding a baby being beaten by at least six people. He called the police.
2: When officers arrived, Susan told them Chris was a drug addict. She claimed they were simply trying to restrain Chris in the midst of a drug-addled rage.
1: The police believed her at first. Then they took a closer look at Chris's injuries. Her lip was split open. Her nose was broken. Some of her hair had been ripped out and she was bruised all over her face and chest.
2: But before they could investigate further, the cops got another emergency call and decided to leave, despite Chris's pleas.
1: Following that clip from cults, Chris barely managed to leave the Alamo Christian Foundation alive... Soon afterward, Tony and Susan Alamo built a new compound for the members of the Alamo Christian Foundation. It was a completely insular, self-sustaining community, cut off from the rest of the world. This kind of isolation is a common precursor to indoctrination. New recruits to the foundation were required to separate themselves completely from their loved ones. Each meal they ate, job they did, and decision they made was supervised by Tony and Susan Alamo. Over time, the Alamos successfully stripped their followers of autonomy. Chris and her daughter went free, but hundreds of others remained at the compound, subject to beatings, forced labor, and solitary confinement. Though the influence of the Alamo Christian Foundation eventually grew to be far-reaching, our next clip covers an even greater threat, an international criminal enterprise. Coming up, We'll discuss the initiation ritual of the
0: triads. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be
1: So far, we've heard how isolation can be used to indoctrinate cult members. In our next clip from Secret Societies, we'll see how strange rituals are employed to initiate members into an organized crime syndicate known as the Triads. The Triads trace their history all the way back to 17th century China, when a group of rebels attempted to overthrow the Qing Dynasty to restore the previous Ming Dynasty. By 1800, the Triads had amassed 300 members all of whom who had undergone the same bloody initiation. You began by fasting, a way to purify your body and your soul. You were then asked to build an altar. Incense was burned.
2: In front of the altar, you and your fellow initiates would dig a pit, which would be used to sacrifice an animal, often a sheep.
1: Once the sacrifice was in place, one of the leaders of the ceremony would cut off the animal's left ear, place it in some sort of vessel, and catch the blood in a separate receptacle, often one that already contained wine.
2: This blood would then be sprinkled on the altar. A text would be read, including the names of the initiates and the oaths that you were accepting.
1: Oaths that solidified your absolute devotion to your brothers, as well as absolute secrecy.
2: You and your fellow initiates would then smear blood across your lips and kneel. You were handed three sticks of incense and nine blades of grass.
1: Blood would then be smeared on a copy of the oath before being buried in the pit with the animal. Then the leader of the ceremony would drink the first sip of blood before it would be passed to you and your fellow initiates
2: the leader and his fellow brothers would impress upon you not only the importance of your vows, but the consequence of betraying them.
1: That consequence was given life in the form of an initiation task known as crossing the bridge.
2: You and your fellow initiates would crawl on your hands and knees underneath a great number of knives and swords Each one hung precariously above you. Forward motion was your only option. Any backwards movement might cause the swords to metaphorically, or literally, fall and kill you all.
1: And you would recite these words. If one person experiences difficulty, everyone will come to his aid. If I break this oath, the knife will fall and destroy my body.
2: In other words, you will put the triads before all else. The group and its secrets are worth more to you than your life.
1: In that clip from Secret Societies, we heard the way the Triads indoctrinated their new members. The two essential tenets of the Triads are loyalty and brotherhood. Their initiation ceremony forced new recruits to accept those values and vow to live by them unquestioningly. We've heard how both the Triads and the Alamo Christian Foundation indoctrinated thousands of new members, but the subject of our next clip only sought to control and indoctrinate a single person. This final clip from Hostage covers the horrific captivity of Colleen Stan. Colleen was kidnapped in 1977 by Cameron and Janice Hooker. Cameron, who had already indoctrinated Janice, wanted to kidnap someone new and keep them as his sex slave. After he kidnapped her, Cameron kept 20-year-old Colleen in a box underneath his bed, only letting her out to sexually assault her. After a while, Cameron devised a lie to manipulate Colleen and ensure that she would never leave him voluntarily. Eight months after her kidnapping, Cameron presented Colleen with a document. He wanted her to willingly sign over her freedom.
3: Colleen was confused. Then Cameron showed her a newspaper article that purported that around the world, women were being abducted and forced into slavery. According to Cameron, Colleen was soon to be one of them.
4: According to Dr. Leach, the psychological effects of extreme isolation, such as Colleen had endured, include increased susceptibility to suggestion, instability of belief, and increased compliance. Essentially, Colleen was in no place to rationalize anything Cameron was telling her.
3: Cameron told her that from now on, she was to refer to him as master and Janice as ma'am. She would be forbidden to sit or speak unless given permission, and she wasn't allowed to wear underwear. Finally, Cameron gave her a new slave name, Kay.
4: Colleen was so overwhelmed, she couldn't begin to process what was happening. Finally, she read the document in front of her. It was a slave contract. Cameron wanted her to sign the document, giving away her freedom.
3: She wanted to shut down, to scream, but she knew that would only incite more torture. Heartbroken, she signed, and Cameron gladly ran the document upstairs.
4: Cameron had an extensive collection of hardcore fringe pornography. One of his favorite films was the 1975 French art film, Story of O* an erotic drama about a woman who is subjected to sadomasochistic rituals, including torture and beatings. In the film, the woman is given the single letter name O. This is clearly where Cameron got the idea for Colleen's new name.
3: What's more, while thumbing through the January 1978 issue of his favorite underground s and newspaper, Inside News... Cameron had seen a mock slave contract. While the document was meant as a prop between two consenting adults, Cameron had another use in mind. With a rented typewriter and calligraphy stencils, he reproduced the slave contract with exacting detail and presented it to Colleen, along with an accompanying article, which he passed off as real.
4: But Cameron needed more than just a slave contract to gain full control over Colleen. He came up with an elaborate lie, a fictitious company of slavers that would hunt Colleen down if she ever tried to run. He said they'd kill her family.
3: Hooker spent the following weeks, months, and even years embellishing his lie about the company to Colleen.
4: He told her that he'd been raised around the slave trade and that if his father found out about Colleen, he'd be tempted to borrow Colleen for parties.
3: A few weeks after making her sign the slave contract, Cameron handed Colleen a laminated registration card saying that he would just received it from the company. The card acknowledged receipt of $1,500 for the registration of a new slave, Colleen Stan.
4: It was a simple deception, but it worked. Colleen spent hours in isolation churning over the registration card. In her mind, this was indisputable proof that the company was real. Cameron told her the house and phone were bugged, and if she ever tried to escape, the company would catch her and torture her to death.
1: In that clip from Hostage, Cameron Hooker indoctrinated Colleen Stan into believing that a mysterious and malignant company was hunting Colleen and her family. After eight months of being held in a box, only seeing light when Cameron let her out to assault her, Colleen was extremely susceptible to manipulation. Colleen believed in the company and thought Cameron was saving her from the organization that was trying to kill her family. Colleen continued to fear the retribution of the company until 1983 when Janice told her that Cameron really wasn't part of the organization. The revelation set in motion a chain of events that led Colleen to finally escape. The criminals in today's Crime Bites all attempted to uproot their victims' belief systems and indoctrinate them into a subservient position. In cults, Tony and Susan Alamo isolated their followers and dictated every decision of their daily lives, making them depend on the Alamos for everything, even their religious beliefs. In secret societies, new recruits to the triads were put through a hellish initiation ritual designed to ensure complete loyalty to the criminal syndicate. And in Hostage, Cameron Hooker employed both isolation and torture to place Colleen Stan in a suggestible state. Then he fed her lies until she believed satisfying his twisted desires was a better fate than what waited for her in the outside world. Each of these stories shows the dark power of indoctrination and the dangers that can result when a person or organization takes complete control over others. Thanks for tuning into Parcast Crime Bites. We hope you enjoyed this episode on indoctrination. We'll be back next week with a new episode on Murder Modus Operandi, or MOs. What are the tactics killers use on their victims, and what do those methods say about their psyche? If you'd like to listen to the episodes we discussed today in full, simply search for our Parcast original shows, Cults, Secret Societies, or Hostage on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all your favorite music, but now Spotify's making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite Parcast originals for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. I'll see you next time.